Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. This is week three of our Christmas series called The Gift, which will culminate uh, at our Christmas Eve services this Friday. And by the way, uh, you'll hear a little bit more about this at the end, but our Christmas Eve service times are noon, 12 o'clock, 2 and 4, so a little bit different. If you're interested, we don't know for sure, but we think probably the smallest service will be noon and the largest will be 4 o'clock. Uh, but our services are always am amazing. They're beautiful. They're memorable. They're powerful. The music is awesome. We have some really fun, special things for kids. Uh, and, and for families, you guys will enjoy it. Christmas is also one of those times that you could bring and invite people to church, isn't it? Uh, some people, you know, they might be having them over to your house and you just make that part of the celebration. I heard the other day that some people are CEOs, Christmas and Easter only Christians. <laughs> so bring somebody with you, be thinking about it, praying about it, who you can bring with you. And it's good to see family over the holidays. By the way, talking about family, uh, last night Shannon sent me this. Uh, my grandma Pat, how many of you guys know my grandma Pat? You love grandma Pat. There she is, 89 years old, kicking butt for Jesus still. She looks great in that picture. So I got to say just real quick, this was taken, she's in a really nice care home, which I blacked out at the bottom, but they took this picture and posted it on their, on their Instagram. Look at the caption at the bottom. Residents made ugly sweaters for National Ugly Sweater Day. That's Grandma Pat's normal sweater. <laughs> Throwing shade on my grandma. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I hope Grandma Pat never hears me say that. I'll get in trouble. But anyways, that was just for my own amusement. We've been focusing on the gifts that the Magi or the wise men gave to the child Jesus in this series and really kind of focusing on Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. It says, and when they, referring to the wise men, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We've been talking about how these gifts not only had tremendous practical use and, and financial value, but also spiritual significance, which is what we've been focused on. God had given these wise men, these magi, revelation as to who Jesus the Christ really was. I saw a post the other day on social media and it said, are we sure the wise men who brought frankincense and myrrh weren't just trying to sign Mary up for their essential oils pyramid scheme? <laughs> I thought that was funny. Pastor Josh, my brother, preached a message two weeks ago on frankincense and how frankincense represented Jesus as our high priest. He was the high priest who sacrificed his own life, gave himself for us, for our sins, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. You can read the book of Hebrews if you want to know more about Jesus as the high priest. Last week, I preached about how myrrh represented the truth that Jesus was the Lamb of God, the suffering servant that Isaiah prophesied about in Isaiah chapter 53, 700 years before his birth. My message was called, His Pain, Our Gain. Today I wanna to talk about this third and final gift, gold, the gift of gold. Mary and Joseph were 
tremendously poor, and, and gold, of course, would have been uh, very, very helpful to them as a family. And because of its scarcity, gold has always been a valuable gift that is fit for a king. So just for fun this morning, we're going to play a game uh, called Name That King. And we all are going to play it together, all right? Whether you want to or not, you're going to play this game. So you might as well be happy about it, okay? <laughs> it's real simple. We're going to show a, an image or a graphic on the screen, and then you shout out as soon as you know it who that king is, okay? So here we go. Here's the first one. When you think of Simba, Lion King, Lion King, all right, good. Next one, when you think of a giant gorilla, King Kong, all right? Somebody said Pastor Junior at the last service, that's messed up. All right, when you think of a Whopper, you think of Burger King. Does anybody even still eat at Burger King? Yeah, there's like three people at the last service. God bless you guys, go in peace. All right, next one, when you think of a scary novel author, writer, Stephen King, Stephen King. Is that Garrett over there? All the way from Idaho. You win the award for longest commute today, man. Good seeing you. Good to see you guys. All right, next one. Oh, when you think of an interviewer, you think of Larry King. He's like 253 years old and he's still alive somehow. All right, next one, next picture. When you think of basketball, come on, somebody. LeBron's King James. King James, don't give me booze. All right, next one. When you think of tennis, you might think of? You had to be over 50 to get that one. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Billie Jean King, the great Billie Jean King. When you think of blues, B.B. King, the one and only B.B. King. When you think of jazz, you think of Nat King Cole, Nat King Cole. And when you think of rap, you might think of Kanye West, Yee Yeezy. And his album, come on somebody, anybody know 2019? Jesus is King. Closed on Sunday, you my Chick-fil-A. You're my number one with my lemonade. Do I need to keep going? Raise our sons, train them in the faith. Through temptations, make sure they're wide awake. Follow Jesus, listen and obey. No more living for the culture. We nobody's slave. Oh, man. I'm a white preacher, and I just wish I was a rapper. I can't help it. Jesus is king, and the wise men gave gold because they recognized his kingship, that he was not a normal human being. He was no ordinary Jewish child. He was not even like any other earthly king who had been born. Jesus has a really in interesting interaction towards the end of his life in John chapter 18. He had been betrayed, he had been arrested, he had been uh, falsely tried by the Jewish leaders and now he was handed over to the Roman authorities and he stands before Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, and Pilate is basically interrogating Jesus. He is trying to figure out what to do with this man. He can't find any fault in him, but the Jewish leaders are putting all kinds of pressure to have him killed and crucified. He doesn't know who he is. And so he questions Jesus, and this is what Jesus says in verse 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? 
Listen to this. Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who was of the truth hears my voice. By the way, that's the verse where our church gets our name, the cause church, the cause of Christ. There's a whole lot of causes in our world today, but there is none that comes anywhere close to the importance and the eternal significance of the cause of Christ. Jesus did not come as an earthly king to establish a temporary earthly reign on this planet. He came as the heavenly king to establish an eternal reign for all of humanity, for all of history. Come on, somebody. To overthrow the powers of darkness and hell, to preach and live and model the truth of God's love and salvation and freedom for him that we have in him. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the king of all kings and Lord of all lords. In the original Greek language, uh, that phrase, king of kings, Lord of lords, it could not be stated any more powerfully or emphatically. Jesus is supreme over all creation. Nobody or nothing comes anywhere close to who he is. We're reading through Revelation right now in our Grow Journal, if you use that for your devotional time with the Lord. And, and in Revelation chapter 19, verse 16, it says that when Jesus returns, it gives a picture and a glimpse. It says, he has on his robe and on his thigh. But dad, when he would, whenever he would reference this, he always said, it's a big old tattoo. Remember Shannon, he would do that like, it's a big old tattoo he's got on his thigh. He has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is the title of my message today, King of Kings. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. In fact, why don't you just go ahead and stand to your feet, if you would. If you don't own a Bible, then we'll give you one afterwards. Come on, everybody, stand up for a moment. Let's read this passage. You can follow along on the screen. Matthew chapter 2. Verse one, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And then they quote in verse six, that's a quote from Micah chapter five. They're quoting the prophet Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. 
When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Listen to this, verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Let's read verse 11 all together out loud. Ready, go. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We'll skip down to verse 16. The wise men are, are warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, so they don't. And then verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Before you sit down, look at the person next to you and say, I don't mean to be judgmental, but I'm assuming you probably haven't finished your Christmas shopping yet, all right? Go ahead and tell somebody. Go ahead and tell somebody, and then you could be seated. <laughs> I don't mean to judge, but you still got some work to do. In this passage, there are three different responses to Jesus as king. These are the same responses that we see today. You ask yourself this question, how do I respond to Jesus as king? The first response we see from Herod is I oppose Jesus as king. I oppose Jesus as king. At the time of Jesus' birth, the, the Jewish people were under the rule of the Romans. The, the Roman government, it was quite oppressive, and the Romans had put a man named Herod, Jewish man, in charge of that region of Judah or Judea. Herod was incredibly wicked. He was a paranoid tyrant. In fact, Herod had several of his own wives murdered and killed. He had at least two of his own sons executed. And so when he heard about the birth of the king of the Jews, because he was so paranoid at somebody trying to take over his kingdom, he would just have them killed, which is why he had all of those, those innocent toddlers and infants and babies killed in the area around Bethlehem. He was absolutely in every way anti-Christ. By the way, let us be reminded that the Bible warns us, tells us, encourages us that in the last days, there will be an increasing anti-Christ spirit that is mounted against the church, men and women, that's you and I. And so we need to be bold, we need to be ready for that, we need to stand strong in our faith. We're seeing that increasingly more in our world today. You know, some people react like this today. They're just in complete opposition of Jesus as king. Certainly there are aspects of culture in the world that are absolutely like that. Some people say or think things like, oh, Christianity is just a crutch for the mentally weak. I don't believe all that Jesus stuff. I'm a self-made person. I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. No person, no church is gonna tell me how to live my life. Basically, it's a response that Herod thought that I'm the king of my life and nobody or nothing is gonna change that. By the way, remember what Jesus told us in John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. In other words, don't be surprised by that. The second response is simply this. I dismiss Jesus as king. I dismiss or ignore it. I dismiss Jesus as king, which was the response of the chief priests and the scribes. Herod 
goes to them when he hears about this and says, tell me, where is the Messiah? Where is the Christ supposed to be born? And they knew. They knew the signs. They knew the locations. They had studied the scriptures. They knew where he was supposed to be born. They quote Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and yet none of them go. At least that's recorded in scripture. They just simply dismissed it. If you've been to Israel, you would know, or if you just look at a map, Bethlehem is only five or six miles away from Jerusalem. It wasn't even that far, but they just dismissed Jesus as king. The Jews were expecting the Messiah, the Christ, to be a political king. They were expecting at that time that a political king would be born and would rise up and would overthrow the Romans. And as we just read in John 18, Jesus said, that's not the kind of kingdom that I came to establish. I came to overthrow sin in, in men and women's hearts and to redeem them and bring them into relationship with God. Somebody say amen. But sometimes people just choose to dismiss and ignore Jesus as king because maybe he's not like what they expected. Maybe he comes packaged differently than we think who God is supposed to be. I always think of this story around Christmas when Jenny and I were dating. We had been dating about a year and a half and we we're getting pretty serious. We we're starting to talk about marriage. And so when it came to Christmas time that year, you know, I'd bought Jenny several gifts and the last gift that I had was in a small little box, wrapped, as good as I could wrap it anyways. And it was a Tiffany's necklace, which at the time for me, what I paid for it was, you know, it was expensive. So it was, the, it was the last, it was the main gift, what we call the main gift. And so Jenny sees it, and then she unwraps it, and as she does, her eyes get really big, and she starts to get real excited, and I'm thinking, what the heck? And, and then she sees the blue Tiffany's box. Some of you ladies know where this is going, all right? She opens up the box and she begins crying. And I'm thinking, what is happening? Well, I soon found out that that was not what she was expecting. She was an ex expecting an engagement ring. What were you? Wait a minute. It was the last gift that he gave me and he put it on the tree. He called all of his family in the room come watch Jenny open her last present. And I'm like, this is it, he's gonna propose. And then he gives me this necklace that's a cross. And he's like, it's the same one my mom has. I'm like, I still have it, but I don't think I've ever worn it. I don't remember some of those details. It's like she just completely dismissed this gift because it was not packaged how she expected. Some people do that with the Lord. You invite them, you know, hey, do you want to come to church with me to experience the love and the presence of Jesus? No, I'm not into that. I'm too busy. I'm not into that church stuff. I don't need church. My life is good. Do you want to read the Bible, the living word of God that is filled with hope and life could change your life? No, that's just an old book. It's outdated. It's just full of a bunch of rules and regulations. I don't believe it. Do you want to know God and have a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus, experience and receive abundant and eternal life? Man, I don't believe that stuff. All paths lead to God. Just live your own truth. Do whatever you want to do just as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Just be a good person. People just dismiss. They just dismiss Jesus as king. Even in John chapter one, which is kind of John's version of the Christmas story, it talks about 
Jesus in a different kind of way. He says in verse 10 that he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. So you can oppose him. You can dismiss Jesus as king. The third response, which I hope is your response, is this. I worship Jesus as king. I worship Jesus as king, which is the response of the wise men. The wise men or the magi were likely Eastern astrologers. They were wealthy. They were educated. As we've said, we don't know how many there were. Tradition kind of basically says three, but the Bible never says. We don't know. There could have been four. There could have been more than four. In fact, I, I, it reminded me of this uh, cartoon by Gary Larson from Farsight, and it says, unbeknownst to most theologians, there was a fourth wise man who was turned away for bringing fruitcake. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, gosh. Listen, only the king is worthy of worship. Only the king. And you can know everything that Christmas season is about. You can even understand and know the why we worship this newborn king, but unless you come and you actually worship him, you have missed the point. You've missed the point. How should we worship this king? Well, the wise men did three things. They teach us three, three, three things. Number one is seek Jesus the king wholeheartedly. Seek Jesus the king wholeheartedly. Most scholars think that the wise men traveled an incredibly long distance, maybe up to a thousand miles, which would tell you that's why it took them, you know, seriously, it took them so long, at least a year, maybe two years to even get to Bethlehem. Are you still seeking the Lord with your whole heart, men and women? Are you still seeking the Lord with your whole heart? Is your foot on the spiritual gas, so to speak? Are you, are you pressing wholeheartedly and seeking the Lord that you would know him more intimately, that you would hear his voice more clearly, that you would experience his, his presence more completely, that you would be filled with his love more fully, that you would become more and more like Jesus daily? Are you seeking him with your whole heart? When I was 16, that's the decision that I made, and it changed my life. Best decision that I've ever made. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart with all your heart. Number two, if you're gonna worship the king, number two is rejoice in Jesus the king greatly. It's an interesting uh, juxtaposition that I hadn't noticed before until I started studying this passage again, that Herod's response to Jesus as king, he was exceedingly angry, just like some of the world and the culture is, trying to take Christ out of Christmas. And yet, the wise men who had a revelation of who Jesus really was, that they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And men and women, that should be our response, that no matter what is going on in our world, no matter what is going on in your family or your marriage, no matter what is going on in your personal life, there is always a reason to be joyful if you know the king. Somebody say amen. Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine, which is also a prophecy, says rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. Bible doesn't say that we have to rejoice for our circumstances, but that we ought to rejoice in our circumstances. 
because our joy comes from the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And if you know the king, the one who has saved you and called you and chosen you and anointed you, who formed you in your mother's womb, who has a plan and a purpose for your life, his goodness and his mercy will overwhelm you, follow you all the days of your life. Come on, he is faithful, he's kind, he's forgiving, he's He's cleansed all of your sins, healed all of your diseases, then there's always a reason to rejoice greatly in the king. Somebody say amen. amen. Number three, here's the last point. If you're gonna worship the king, then number three, open to Jesus the king completely. Open to Jesus the king completely. The wise men, the wise men came and it says they fell down and they worshiped him. And even that word worship, it means literally to just, completely bow before it, put your head, your face to the ground, a kiss towards. They fell down, they worshiped him, they opened up their treasures, they presented him gifts, they opened to the king completely. Have you completely opened every part of your life to Jesus the king? Have you opened your mind to him as king and allowed him to begin to change and transform and renew your mind? Have you opened your marriage to him and invited him to be the center of how you treat your husband or your wife? Have you opened your parenting to him as king and asked him to give you wisdom and love and patience towards your kids so that some of the same cycles of dysfunction and brokenness that you experience aren't passed down to your kids and the next generation? Have you opened your time to him to spend time with him every day on your own? Nobody's amending me, so I'm gonna keep going, all right? So have you opened your talents and gifts to him to serve him at the church and minister his love to other people? Have you opened your finances and your treasures to him to give him the first 10% to honor him, as the Bible says, with the tithe? Have you opened your sex life to him? Come on, somebody, hello. Have you opened your sex life to him and do you use your body like scripture says, in a way that is holy and honorable and pleasing to the Lord. And what I mean by that is what scripture says is that is only between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman in a committed marriage relationship. Have you opened your future to him and asked him to guide you and lead you so your life can have an eternal impact for his glory? Have you opened to him as king, opened your heart and your life to him as your Lord and your savior, the one who has forgiven you of all of your sins, the one that you have surrendered your life to and live your life for. The Bible says in Psalm 24, verse seven, open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. That's a choice that only you could make. You're the only one who can open up your heart, open up your life to the king and allow him to come in. If you haven't opened your life, even if you haven't opened some of those areas of your life to him, then men and women, why not? Why not? Is Jesus the king of your life or are you still the king of your life? Are you on the throne of your life or is Jesus on the throne of your life? I wanna show you a, a brief video. Uh, it's my favorite video describing Jesus as king from the great African-American pastor and preacher, S.M. Lockridge. You'll Enjoy this and be encouraged. 
the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's join Rebecca. Let's sing this morning. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.